Thank you, band. Good morning. Woo! Excited. All right. Yeah. Well, Mark's not here. Sorry. Sorry at this point. Uh, he's actually, uh, I think, at his 30th class reunion, I think, up in Maine. It's a little cooler there, a little bit. So he said I could do whatever I want. I'm just going to do whatever I want. So, um, but so this summer, uh, we've been going through, well, not just this summer, but gosh, the last, what, three or four summers, we've been going through the book of Acts. And so as we've been going through the book of Acts, one of the main characters that we've been focused on here the last couple summers is the Apostle Paul, okay? Does, do you know who the Apostle Paul is? We've talked about him. Okay. One of the things, uh, Paul was Jewish. And what he would do is that as every city that he would go into, he would typically go to the Jews first because he's Jewish. And so as he would go to the Jews, there's a lot of commonality. There's tradition. There's history. And what he would do is he would go to the Jews and he would say, uh, men of Israel, or hey Jews, listen up. And then he would start walking them through basically like the Old Testament, like Old Testament history. He would say, God made a promise to our forefathers. And when he would say that, he's taken them all the way back to Genesis. You know, back to Genesis. Creation, we have the fall, then we have flood, Noah, and then we have uh, this guy by the name of Abram, or we call Abraham. You heard of him. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, this promise was made to Abraham. Abraham was made a promise. Actually, there's three. He says, you're going to have a lot of kids, right? He goes, you're going to inherit a land, and he goes, and you're going to be blessed so that you can be a blessing, all right? And we start to see that come to fruition through the Old Testament. And we see it through Isaac, okay? And then he has this, then Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Are you tracking with me? And then Joseph gets sold into slavery, right? We go down to Egypt, all right? They're in Egypt. They're in slavery. God raises up this guy named Moses, all right? You still with me? So Moses goes in and tells Pharaoh, let my people what? Go. And so through the plagues, God brings the Israelites out of Egypt right? Parts the Red Sea. Now, here's the thing. When they're going to get into the land, here's what God tells them. He says, this is how it's going to work, okay? Here's another promise that he makes to Moses and to the Israelites. He says, if you listen to me, things are going to go well. They're going to go great. But if you do whatever you want, or aka don't listen to me, things are not going to go so well, okay? Uh, it's kind of like it's a two-way street. See, this happens in our homes. Let me give you some example. Uh, your kid might come to you and go, well, I'm going to go outside and play, and you say, well, did you finish your homework? And they go, no. And you go, well, you're not going outside. Or they'll go, can I borrow the car tonight? And you go, well, did you cut the grass? And they go, no. And you go, well, you can't borrow the car. Now, in my house, I have teenage boys. It's, did you shower? <laughs> right? Did you brush your teeth? Did you comb your hair? Do you have deodorant? I, I told my boys a couple weeks ago, and, and my wife's just like, and I, I told him, I said, you know, if I wanted to hide something from you, you know where I'd hide it? I'd hide it under a bar of soap. <laughs> a am I right, parent? You have teenage boys? Yes? And I told him, I said last night, I said, the pool doesn't count. You, I mean, I've, I've been swimming for three days. I know that. But you've got to shower sometime this week. I know. That, right? So, so it's a two-way street. Okay, so when they come in, when they come into the land, because they're going to go into the land, God eventually will bring them to the land. But it's just two ways. If you listen to me, things will go great. If you don't, things are not going to go so great. And so what happens then is, as they're going through the wilderness, God brings them to this place called Kadesh Barnea. Okay, and we've heard about this story. It's in Numbers. It's called the Twelve Spies. So God tells Moses, okay, send in the Twelve Spies. Twelve Spies go in to spy out the land. And so do you remember what happens? They come back with a report. Ten of the spies come back and say what? What kind of people are in the land? There's some big, big jokers in the land. 
The cities are fortified. Now, it's, it is. It's flowing with milk and honey, but there's no way we can do it. Now, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, say what? If God said we're going to take the land, we're going to what? We're going to take it. Doesn't matter how big they are, because who's the one that's going to do it? God, right? So, so as we move through, we get to this guy named Joshua. Joshua takes the torch from Moses and brings them into the promised land. And then after Joshua, we have these people called the judges. The judges, God sends these deliverers to deliver Israel from their enemies. And people like Samson, have you heard of Samson? Big strong guy, right? Gideon, okay? Then this guy shows up by the name of Samuel, okay? First Samuel, he's the last judge and he's a prophet. And so the people come to Samuel and they say, you know what, Samuel, you're getting kind of old. And your kids really, they don't, they're not as godly as you are. We want a king. And so the reasons that they wanted a king is that, one, they said, we want to be like the other nations. Well, the problem with that is when God brought Israel, when they brought them out of Egypt, he says, you're going to be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay? And when you, I know today we think of priests, right? Got the collar, right? And collar. And, but for a priest, they were the physical presence of God on earth. So when you were to look at Israel, who were you looking at? God and a holy name. So, so they were meant to be unique and set apart. Are, are you with me? So the other part was that they wanted a king to judge them, but then also go before them in battle. All right? So to lead them in battle. So Samuel goes and anoints the first king of Israel. And do you know who that is? Saul. Okay? The Bible says Saul, he, Saul, he was a tall guy says from the shoulders up, he was taller, and he was good looking. So he was tall, dark, and handsome. The first, if they were doing a casting call for a king, Saul would get it, right? They're like, look at this guy. He's a man. He's big. He's a good looking guy. You're, you're the king. So Saul becomes the first king of Israel. Now, remember what I said. God told him, if you, if you listen to me, things will go well. If you don't, things will not go well. Okay, well, as, as Saul's kingship went on, he started to kind of do whatever he wanted. And Samuel came to Saul, and he goes... Your days are numbered. There's another guy that God's preparing, a guy and a man after his own heart. And who is that? David. So he was preparing this guy by the name of David. So Samuel goes to this town called Bethlehem. Have you ever heard of it? Does that sound familiar? You hear a lot about it around Christmas, right? So Samuel goes to Bethlehem to a guy named Jesse. And Jesse has eight sons. And so God tells him, you're going to go to the house of Jesse and you're going to anoint the next king. So the first son, in, 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 in ancient Israel, in tradition, the firstborn has the most honor. So guess who comes out? Eliab, right? Looking like a linebacker. Comes out across, and Samuel, what does he say? There he is. There's the king. And God goes, nope, time out. He says, guess what you're looking at? This. He says, but God looks at what? The heart. God's looking at this. So all the sons parade before her. Samuel, and none of them are it. And finally he goes, is, is, that's all your kids? And Jesse goes, well, I, I got one more. He's out there taking care of the sheep. And he says, well, go get him. I'm not going anywhere. So he goes and gets David, and when David comes in, Scripture says that he was ruddy. means he had good skin tone, good skin. He, he wasn't aged by the sun. He was a young kid. He said he had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. And Samuel said, arose and anointed him. So now David, and, and what we've got here, you're going to see here as we get into 1 Samuel, Saul's on the decline, and David's rising because he's going to be the next king. And so with that in mind, we come to where we're going to land today, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Have you ever heard of it? It's this battle between David and Goliath. 
Yeah? Okay, cool. So here's where we start. So, so what's going on just to set that? So here we have Saul is still king, right? David's been anointed, all right? So he's the soon-to-be king. And we've got this battle brewing between the Israelites and the Philistines. So what's happened is the Philistines, they lived on the coast. Now, I could do like the mark map, right? We could over here. We got the draw it. Um, the Philistines lived on the coast, okay, by the sea. And they were coming up into the hill country. And so what happened is, is you have the Israelites are camped on the north, okay? And the Philistines are on the south. There's a valley that runs between them. So they're, they're squaring off between this valley, okay? So you kind of get the point? So here's, here's where we start. It says, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered. They were encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. Okay? Verse 3. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Just describe that. Okay? On the mountain. Uh, and there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now, when you're a champion and you're in battle... If you're 34 and 1, you're dead. Okay? So he, the reason he's a champion, uh, you're going to see here in a minute, this, this guy is, is a modern uh, war machine. Okay, we always talk every day about cubits, right? That's how you measure, right? You're like, well, how far? Well, that's like 24 cubits. That's 30. Um, what's a cubit? The, the measurement for a cubit was from the elbow to the second digit of the middle finger, okay? And it's about 18 inches, roughly. So that's a foot and a half. So six times a foot and a half is nine feet, and then a span was the distance between the thumb and the finger, okay? So about roughly nine inches. So how tall was this joker? Well, let me give you some perspective. Got a pole here. This will show you. I could take him. <laughs> I got this. I got this. So this is just his height, okay? You get, and, and David would have still been a youth because the thing is, is that in the book of Numbers, Anybody that's 20 years and up is, is able to serve in the military. And David is not able to say, so he's, he's under 20. You know, he's still probably a teenager. So he's probably not even as tall as I am. So you, are you getting some perspective how tall this guy was? Okay, so short. I'd want to be his agent, if he, you know, for the NBA. I think I could get him a, a tryout. So here's his height, okay? Now we're going to start moving through what this guy was wearing. Okay. So then it says, he had a helmet of bronze, Okay helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And I know we deal with shekels every day, right? That's how you, no. 5,000 shekels is roughly about 125 pounds, okay? And I don't know if you could see it up here. Um, there's some weight. That's 125 pounds. Now, that's, that's just his coat. It's not his helmet. It's just his coat. To give you some perspective, okay? That's like a small teenager, 125. Um, so that's just his coat. It's not his helmet. Okay, keep going. He had a bronze armor on his legs, so like shin guards. Got any soccer players? You know, you wear your shin guards. So you've got, or, or, or like a catcher, you've got these bronze shin guards, okay? Then he's got a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders, okay? You're starting to pick up this guy. I mean, so got the bronze helmet, the bronze coat, shin guards. Uh, he's got a javelin, Okay. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. So almost, not, not too far off from that. So his, just, just the shaft. And that shaft was probably about 17 pounds, somewhere in the neighborhood. And, if, and the spear, and it says, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. That's about 16 pounds. So it's about 33 pounds was that, that spear. And what we're going to learn later is that 
he had a sword, a spear, and a javelin. Bronze helmet. 120, now, it doesn't tell us how much the helmet, but are you, this guy was wearing well north of 150 pounds in, in armor. And here's the kicker. He had a shield bearer that went before him. Okay, so they would have these modern shields, like, you know, not the bar, from, but like Captain America, you know, the small shield they would wear. This guy had a shield bearer, full-size shield. Are you getting that? Walking before him. So this, this guy, he's a tank. I mean, he's, a, he's the best that they have to offer. So this is who's coming out to defy the ranks of Israel. Are you, are you getting a picture of how big this guy is and how much he's wearing? Okay. So <clears throat> verse 8. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, and it says, Why have you come out to draw for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of who? Saul, because who's still the king? Saul. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. So what he's proposing is, which it was, it was typical, between two armies is you would have a representative. So Goliath is the representative from the Philistines. And so he's saying, why don't you bring somebody from your camp, and we'll fight. And whoever wins basically wins the battle so that the armies don't have to fight. That's what he says here in verse 9. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10. The Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man. Okay, it's going to be key coming up. That we may fight together. Who do you think Goliath is typically fighting? Typically men, right? Right? I mean, think how, look how he's clothed. And typically, the other person, how would they be clothed? Pretty similar, right? Sword, spear, javelin, all, all these weapons. Okay, keep that in mind. Verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they jumped up and ran down and took care of them. No, it's not what it said, is it? It says they were what? Dismayed and what? So Saul was what? Saul ran back into the tent, didn't he? Okay, who was supposed to go before the people into battle? The king. Who's the king? What's he doing? He's running. Yeah, right. It's a chicken, right? He's running. So Goliath would come forth for 40 days, morning and night. Got this? And say that, hey, bring somebody out. Who's going to come out and fight me? And Saul was supposed to be the one who was supposed to come out. And Saul was running. So now David, his older brothers were in the battle. And so Jesse said, hey, I'm going to give you some groceries, and I want you to take some groceries to your brothers. So he's taking food, provisions, which is normal. I mean, in a battle, you've got to have provisions, right, to the front lines. So David's taking provisions to his brothers. And so as he's doing that, David sees and hears this, verse 21. So in Israel and Philistines, they drew up for battle, army against army. Here we go again. Forty days this has been going on. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. 23. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, here we come, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. This time David heard him. Okay? 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughters and make his father's house free in Israel. Okay. So Saul was supposed to be the one to go out, right? Now he's putting an ad in the paper. 
right? Have you heard what the king will do for somebody that will come out and fight for him? What's he going to do? He'll enrich him. You just won the lottery, okay? And you're going to get his daughter, and you're going to be what? You're not going to have to pay taxes again. Now, that one might move most of us, right? You never have to pay taxes. Well, what was, okay, where's he at? <laughs> so he put an ad in the paper, somebody come take care of this guy, because I can't. So then David starts talking and saying, well, who's going to take care of him? Well, the word gets back to Saul, and Saul says, well, well who, who is that? Br bring him here. I want to meet with this guy that's saying this. So this is where we pick up in 31. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And so Saul says, go get him. So verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Okay, still a kid. Saul said to David, here, here's the pep talk, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a what? You're still a kid. And he has been what? A man of war from his youth. I mean, this, this guy's been doing this his whole life. 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, right? That's what he was doing when Samuel came to anoint him. And when there came, okay, a lion and a bear and took a lamb from the flock, 35, I went after him and struck him, delivered it out of his mouth, and if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, struck him and killed him. Okay, pause for a second. I remember years ago when I read this, when you, when you get to that, did you go, okay, what? Excuse me? He, what? I mean, honey, what'd you do today? Ah, I just killed a lion. What? A lion? Yeah, and a bear. Um, and a bear. Yeah, I just, he threw the bear in there. Um, you know, I thought, is it possible maybe David got up that morning and had a good workout? Maybe he went to Smoothie King and he's like, man, I just feel like I could take on a lion. <laughs> Feeling strong. So here's the thing is that, you know, and it's not the shepherd's crook. It would have looked like a candy cane. Um, but he's, he's got a staff. You know, David's got this, this shepherd's staff. Um, but here's the thing. David's, again, and there's some pressure. David's Jewish. Do you think David grew up hearing the stories of Abraham? Remember Abraham and Isaac? He's going to sacrifice Isaac and God provided. Do you, do you think he heard that story? Do you think he heard the story of Joseph and how he was faithful and how he rose to second in command in Egypt? Do you think he heard the stories of Moses and how God delivered them from, I mean, there's this thing called Passover they would have celebrated. I mean, are you, are you picking up what I'm, so David knew God, but he also had this intimate relationship, and he knew God's word. And so part of what God had told Israel is that when you come into the land, see, here's the thing. Who was it that delivered, now I know God used Moses, but who, who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt? Was it Moses? Was Moses, he was like a ninja. I mean, this just took care of the Pharaoh. Who, who was it? It was God. Who parted the Red Sea? And see, God told him, he said, when you come into the land, he goes, I'm going to kick all these, these tribes out. Not only that, but here's one of the promises too. It's back in Leviticus. Leviticus 26. And this is what David knew, okay? He says, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down. None shall make you afraid. I will remove harmful beasts. Because the Jews were God's peeps. So he says, you come and touch him, you're touching me. And so here's David. He goes, I don't know how this is going to work, but a lion just took him. He's like, all right, I don't know how. Ooh, okay, that worked. All right, and then a bear, I don't know how. God, I, I'm trusting you. I just, ooh, that worked too. So God's been preparing David. So it wasn't like all of a sudden he started trusting God. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, God's been grooming this, this guy, this kid, and he's been trusting God for a while. And you can see that, David, if there's a book in your Bible called the Psalms, it's about right in the middle, 
David wrote about half of those. If you want to go and look at how David felt about God, go and read those. So, so David's been trusting. God's been building and working on this guy for a while because I always wondered, I'm like, how, how in the world, when you come to that, does that fit about killing a lot? That's because David knew God's going to take care of it. And he did. Okay. Next verse. Still in 1 Samuel. Your servant has struck down, so now he's given Saul his resume, has struck down both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he is defied. Look at this. Who's he really defied? He's really, that's what he's really doing. He's defied the arms of the living God. Okay, next verse. David said, the Lord, look at that, who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And, you know, you would have thought Saul at this point would have said, gosh, here's this kid coming in. And you know what? David, you're right, right? I need to go out. What does he do? He goes, all right, good luck. Go get him, David. And not only does he say, and let the, may the Lord be with you. Next verse. Saul, then Saul gave him what? His armor, right? Well, I'm not going to be using this. Here, maybe you could use it. Why don't you try it on? So David tries on, and it, it doesn't fit. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail, 39. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go. But here's the thing. Saul's a man. He's a grown man. David's still a kid. It's not going to fit. David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Don't fit. It's not me. Okay. It says, so then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. And we've heard this part, haven't we? Right? So he's got his staff, and he gets five stones, and he's got his sling. Okay? Now, think of the absurdity. I mean, are you, are you, are you picking up? I mean, look at this. All right? Let me, let me pick this up again. Here you got... You got the tank, right? And you've got what? Staff and some stones. And so, verse 41. So he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. So here's the thing. If you're Goliath, like we said earlier, who's he usually fighting? Men, right? No, he's Goliath of Gath, our champion, because he beats little boys. That's who he fights. I mean, right? That's... I mean, he's like, Saul, you're supposed to come out and fight, and who's he sending? Who's coming? A kid. And so now what is Goliath? How does he respond? Look at this. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth. And he does say, you know, he's a good-looking kid. Okay, I'll give him that. He's good-looking. Um, handsome in appearance, 43. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog? Why? Because what has David got? I mean, what, what, is, what usually does his opponent have? Probably a sword, right? He's got some weapons. What does David have? He's got a staff. And Goliath is like, what am I, dog? You're going to just shoo me away? You're going to get out of here. Get out of here. Come to me with sticks, and the Philistines cursed David by his gods, Ashtoreth and Dagon and whatever else he wants to throw in there. The Philistines said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. 45. Then David said to the Philistine, oh, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Okay, leave it here, of whom you have defiled. Now, look at this. In your Bibles, where it says Lord, capital L-O-R-D, what David is doing here is he's saying, look, he's going to take uh, Goliath to theology class. Okay, he's going to say, what you've done is, I come in the name of the Lord. This is, this is Yahweh. This is the covenant-making, promise-keeping, all-knowing, all-powerful 
benevolent, loving God. And so here's the thing. He says, your beef, it's really not with me. Guess who it's with? With God. Let me, let me, let me prove it. Back in the wilderness, Moses was leading the Israelites, okay? And at Kadesh Barnea, the 12 spies. Well, after the bad report, the people said, oh, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Let's elect a new leader and we'll go back to Egypt. Well, problem is, is did Moses elect Moses? He didn't, did he? In fact, if you go back into Exodus chapter 3, Moses tries to excuse himself five times. Five times he tells God, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. So it was God who appointed Moses as leader, right? So it's not Moses who the people had a problem with. Guess who they had a problem with? God. And so what David's telling Goliath, okay, he says, here's the thing, okay, Goliath versus David, it's not a match. Yeah, you would win, but here's the problem. That's not who you're fighting, Goliath. The God of the armies of Israel. Who's the commander? God. So I can't put God next to Goliath, but if I could, you know, I, the book of Isaiah says God holds the universe in the span of his hand. So here you have, and the nations are like a drop in the bucket. So when you put God at, next to Goliath, how's that going to go? Do, are you seeing this now? So David says, look, you touch me, you're, touch, you're touching God. And so how's that going to go? Well, let's see. So, verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down, cut off your head. I will give you, that's kind of, yeah, sorry, master book. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Maybe you haven't heard about him, but you're about to. 47, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord, big L, big O, big R, big D, saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's he will give you David realized this he will give you into our hands 48 when the Philistine arose came and drew near to meet David David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine so remember he's got his staff grabs his five stones in his sling 49 David put his hand in his bag and took out what took out a stone got it in his sling and did what Hit him right in the forehead. Fell on the face to the ground. Now, I'm sure there was probably from the Philistines, they were like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> this hasn't happened before. He's our champion against a kid. Um, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, struck the Philistine, killed him, and there was no sword in his hand of David. Okay, this is kind of nasty, but um, 51. David ran and stood over the Philistine, took a sword, drew it out. Killed him, cut off his head with it, and when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they did what? They ran. And then scripture says that Israel chased after them. And here's the thing. What did David have? Sticks and stones. Right? His staff and some stones. God says what? I can use that. I can use that. And see, the thing is, is that here, we talk a lot about this at Bay Life. Um, you know, Mark talks a lot about this. And we have decisions to make. See, we talk about the surrender. We sang some songs, right, about surrender, I surrender all. And then if you've been here at Bay Life for any amount of time, Mark's talked about this where he says you can either surrender, right, he does this, or do this, right? So I would say we can either listen to God or we can do whatever we want. This, I would say this is do whatever we want. So here's the thing. When we do that, here's, here's the things that we're missing. 
we have things here at Baylife like Orphan, we had like Orphan Weekend, Orphan Awareness, where you start talking about adoption and fostering. Maybe you're somebody that goes, you know what, man, that, I would like to do that, but that's kind of crazy. It's kind of out there. Adopt a kid, foster a kid, and you, ah, I don't want to do that. Or how about, I don't know, maybe you go on a mission trip, right? Especially if it's Hawaii, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll get somebody on, you know, we'll get you on that one. But maybe it's, hey, we want you to go on a mission trip. You're like, ah, or what about this? How about missionaries? We got some missionaries. How about Mike and Janelle, right? Village of Hope. Do you know about them? What if they just said no? Are, are, you, are, you, are you tracking? Or how about this? Maybe it's joining a life group. Maybe it's starting a life group. Maybe it's men's ministry. Maybe it's women's ministry. See, there's every one of us is dealing with God saying, hey, you need to, you need to say yes. And we talk about the surrender. And so... I always like to give a practical example, um, talking about uh, adoption and uh, orphan awareness. One of our friends, um, years ago, uh, she adopted a little boy. And the thing was is that, uh, one, let's just say she was older. Okay, she's single. Um, and when you started thinking about um, people around her, like, have you looked at your driver's license? Have you, have you looked at your age? Have you looked in the mirror? I mean, you're not getting younger. Um, how about your bank account? Because kids are cheap, right? Parents? It's cheap. It's nothing. How about your freedom? I mean, you're single. You can pick up and do whatever you want, right? That's not going to. So even amidst that, she said, you know what? And here's the thing. Uh, she's a teacher, so she's independently wealthy. She's just, money's flowing. <laughs> so she's like, I don't know how this is going to work. I have no idea, but you know what? I'm going to do it. And she adopted a little boy, and He's got some physical disabilities, and they're actually going to do another surgery on him next summer at Shriners in Tampa, um, and then he'll probably be able to lead a normal life. And so we thought that was, you know, enough. And then a couple years later, you know, she, she's like, I think I'm going to adopt another kid. And she's got two boys. And so we were at lunch with her, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, she's like, I'm so old. <laughs> she's like, I'm so tired. And I'm like, yeah, I go, but look what you would have missed. Look at these two boys that you would have missed. And so we all need that, that push. And let me tell you, um, when we started going here, gosh, it was like, I guess six years ago now. Uh, when we started going to Bay Life, um, after probably about a month, uh, I went up to the corner and started talking to Mark. And we started finding out that we had both gone to the same seminary and uh, a, lot of, a lot of things in common. And he's like, okay, you don't have typically people that have gone to seminary. You know, wh what are you doing here? What's, what's going on? Uh, and so we had left the church that we had been at for 17 years. And so over the course of probably a year, getting to know Mark and Eleanor, uh, at lunch one day, he said, you know what, I, I, I'd like you to fill in for me at some point. Because if you remember, we used to have four services, one on Saturday and then three on Sunday, right? Have you been here long enough? I mean, that's, oh my goodness, that's a lot. And so he's like, you know, I'd like to have a break. And so I think in his mind, he had already said, this guy's going to say yes, and I'm going to give him some dates. So he's like, hey, I want you to fill in. And I was like, no. And he goes, seriously? Seriously? How he does it? Seriously? And I was like, no, I just. He's probably watching. Hey, it's fine. And you're fired. You're fired. But now he's like, I want, and, I, and initially I said, I, I don't want to do that. And it took a couple months of him back and forth. He was like, you, you need to do that. And I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, yes, you do. No, I don't. And so finally he pulled the pastor card. You know, he's like, look, it's your pastor telling you. This is what you're going to do. 
And so I think for some of us, we just, we just need that push. Um, and I know we had like the, the volunteer weekend a couple weeks ago, right? Right? Came up here and we did. He started playing Eye of the Tiger. Got us ramped up and we signed up to serve. That's great. We should. And see, here's the thing. Um, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I'm always, I'm always I got a book going. And so one of the ones that I've read recently uh, is by a guy named Eric Metaxas. And I don't know if you've heard of him. He's got some great uh, biographies out there about William Wilberforce, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know those names. Um, and the book is um, Seven Women and Their Secret of Their Greatness. He's also got one about seven men, okay? Um, but some of the names in here are Joan of Arc. Probably heard that. Maybe you don't know her story. Um, Corey Ten Boom, Rosa Parks. And the last one in the book is a lady called Mother Teresa. Have you ever heard of her? I mean, I've heard of her too, but I mean, you don't. Some of us may not know the story. And what's good about this is that it's, it's about 30 to 35 pages on each, so it's not, you know, 300 pages on one if, if you like that. So, um, but one of the things is that Mother Teresa, uh, she was born in like 1910 in Macedonia. Her name, real name was Agnes. And so people came to her. We, we know her, at least I do. I mean, I obviously wasn't alive in 1910, but people came to her late in her life because of the ministry and the impact that she had had on people to say, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, how, do you, how are you doing this? And it's amazing the impact she had on Christians and non-Christians. She, she tells a story of how she was on a commercial flight. Now, this was pre-9-11, okay? So she, the pilot heard, you know, you got Mother Teresa on the plane. And the pilot's like, what? And so he brings her up into the cockpit. And so she's in the cockpit. And so after they're finished talking, the co-pilot walks down the aisle with his hat and takes up an offering. For Mother Tree, and like people are, I mean, this non Christians are like, yeah, I'll throw, yeah, here, I'll throw some money in. I mean, the impact that she had, and so people came and they're like, What are you doing in your ministry that you're having an impact? Are you this great speaker? And she was a little, I mean, have you ever seen her? I mean, it said she was like five foot, she wasn't five foot. I mean, you, you can go Google, I mean, she's little, this little lady. I mean, do you have all these seminary degrees? No, I mean, what? No, she was a smart lady, and she did, she did do something well, and you know what that was. She loved God, and she loved people. It just so happened that it was in Calcutta, India. And so at the end of, towards the end of her life, they're like, I mean, if you had to sum it up, because here's the thing. She, she, she passed away at like 87, okay, almost 20 years ago. But where she got to at the end of her life was because, you know what she did? She said a lot of yeses. God says, you know, she's like, I don't know how this is going to work. She'd step out. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm going to step out. I don't know how this is going to I mean, when you read it, this, is, this, this was her whole life doing that. And then I want to leave you with this verse. Here's what she said. People wanted to know what's the secret. Beautiful are the ways of God if we allow him to use us as he wants. And here's a key word. You see that? If. And this goes back to what Mark talks about all the time, isn't it? We talk about this, and we sing these songs, Surrender, because here's the thing. What, what are we missing out on? Does it make sense? This, I mean, if Mother Teresa could come back, I mean, that's, I mean, she's got a number of quotes, but I mean, this is what she's like, look, look at my life. I mean, the impact that I've had, and she's saying, if we allow God to use us as he wants, what kind of impact is he going to make? Incredible. And so here's the thing. David had his sticks and stones, didn't he? God says, I can use that. And God says to every one of us, you bring what you have. Bring what you have, because I can use it. I can use you. Does he want to use you? He does, doesn't he? Go like this, okay. If you don't know, go like this. Okay, yes, sure. There he goes. But here's the thing. I can't make you do it, can I? 
Mark can't, although he tries, right? He comes up right, right on the edge of the stage and starts yelling, right? But here's the thing. You have, no, yeah, you're right. Yes. That's the decision each one of us has to make. What are we missing out on? God has great things for us. Great things. Amen? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the, uh, the word. <clears throat> Gosh, I know just for myself how uh, hearing these, it's uncomfortable. I know there's been several men in my life who have given me, if you want to call it a shove, a push, um, to, do what, uh, to do what you want us to do, this calling that each one of us have. Uh, each one of us has different talents and abilities, but you want to use us. It's just amazing. It's absurd to look at that battle between David and Goliath. Uh, but David, all he had was a shepherd's staff and a sling and a stone. Um, but because he stepped out and said, Lord, it, it's all you. And that's really our lives, Lord. It's, it's your word. It's your spirit. It's, it's really your world. Um, and so we just want to be a part of what you're doing. We thank you for our church. And we thank you for all that are here. And Lord, we pray that we would be the people uh, that would live for you. Help us to put you uh, first in our lives. We love you and we thank you. Bring us back next week. That's us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. I'll be in the corner. God bless.